All right, hey everybody, we are back again. Welcome to the Text Lab. This is David. I am here with. Hey everyone, it's Andrea. And we're doing the Text Lab again today. This is where we do a deep dive into text, and really our goal is to help you prep for life group this week. Um, and really just to know God through His Word and make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group, just trying to do deep dive on your own, we hope the Text Lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said to us in His Word. Uh, this week we're in John 10. 1 through 21. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. So rather than read the whole thing and then just kind of unpack it, we're just going to take it a few verses at a time. So Andrea, why don't you take us through John 10, 1 through 6? All right, here we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens... The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Okay, couple of things on the text lab that I feel like we're always trying to do. One, just make much of Jesus. Um, We're trying to ask good questions um, that you can talk about in your group, but we're also really trying to help you exegete the text and get some good exegetical tools in your tool belt, Um, which a lot of these in the book of John has been a lot of repetition, um, a lot of like background and looking at uh, just kind of the background that's been going on in the Old Testament, a lot of the imagery, some key word studies when Jesus talks about believe or being the son of man, but what's kind of an exegetical tool for this one that feels really important? I personally feel like it's really important to know your setting here, Mm. like to know that you're in ancient Israeli culture where shepherding was like coffee is today, right? There's a Starbucks on every corner and we understand coffee culture. Hmm. This was shepherding for them. Like everybody knew what it was. This was their job. And so when Jesus uses shepherding, it's really, really common language. Yeah. Um, not so much for us, but definitely for them. So knowing your setting, knowing about the desert, looking those things up so that you can understand the dangers and the opportunities involved with shepherding is important. So in their context, Jesus is the good shepherd. Our context, Jesus is, is the, the good, good bean. The good barista. The good barista. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we're talking about shepherds and sheep this morning. It's really just the world that they are living in. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Just shepherds and sheep, what would that kind of have meant and some of the the setting that really is going on. I think textually first looking at God as the shepherd of Israel would have been one of the first things that kind of pops out when you're thinking about shepherding, when you're thinking about sheep. This is kind of mentioned all the over the Old Testament Absolutely, text. Absolutely, right? Like one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23. Yep. The, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. They would have had many more hyperlinks to other places throughout scriptures. Yep, yep. And so when Jesus comes along and starts talking about being the shepherd and starts talking about the sheep, they would have immediately thought God is our shepherd as the people of Israel. Plus, throughout the Old Testament text, also the leaders of Israel would have been described as shepherds. Um, for example, Moses and David described as the shepherds of Israel, 1 Kings twenty two seventeen. 17. Um, even kind of interesting to think about David as a shepherd. Many of the leaders of Israel were shepherds themselves, uh, but the shepherds of Israel— Um, or the leaders of Israel were often described as shepherds 
as well. And then there's kind of another feast going on yep. in the background as well. Yep, lots of parties in this culture. <laughs> yes, exactly. Lots of feasts. Um, you've got Hanukkah happening at this time, um, which was also called the Feast of the Dedica- of Dedication. A little bit of background on Hanukkah. Uh, in about 165 BC, the temple was rededicated back to God. And what had previously happened is there had been some corrupt Jewish leadership um, that really contributed to the demise of the Jewish temple. Greek soldiers as as um, they had kind of overtaken and occupied uh, Jewish world, had desecrated the temple. They were sacrificing pigs on the altar, burning scrolls, setting up pagan idols. And so the the Jewish faith had really lost its purity during this time. And that was partially because of kind of invasion from a foreign enemy and also corrupt Jewish leaders that had kind of welcomed and allowed this to happen. And so there was this Maccabean revolt um, led by Judas Maccabeus, who then rededicated the temple back to God in 165. BC. And so that's what Hanukkah is, the Feast of Dedication. Um, They would have been reflecting kind of on the restoration that had happened, but also they would have been reflecting on the poor Jewish leaders at that time that had kind of allowed the corruption to happen. So there's this context also of this temple uh, reflecting back on really poor shepherds of Israel during that time. Yeah, so we see Jesus, again, using the context of the party he's in mm. to make a statement about who he is, yep. right? In the Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. I, they have the lanterns and the light and the water, and Jesus is saying, mm. I am the living water and mm. I am the light. And here he's saying, I am the good shepherd. We're talking about shepherding. I am the good shepherd. Yep, so let's talk about shepherding a little bit even more. What If we get barista coffee culture, what would <laughs> yeah. shepherding kind of have been like? First, it would have been walls uh, around this pen, right? Yes, around the pen, yeah, because you got to protect the sheep. And then on top of those walls, they're going to have like thorny bushes, their mm. version of barbed wire yep. <laughs> to protect the sheep because you don't want somebody going in some way other than the way that they're supposed to go in. So you've got walls around keeping the sheep safe, one main gate entrance that would have allowed the sheep to kind of like enter in altogether or exit. This was, yeah, all about keeping the animals safe. safe. And tell us a little bit, shepherds and their voices, what's going on with their, this is kind of a main theme of this scripture of hearing the shepherd's voice what would have been going on there in the shepherding world? So the these shepherds basically had a call or maybe a whistle or a flute or something that they played and their sheep knew the one that belonged yeah. to their shepherd. Mm. So even if the sheep are out with other sheep, this shepherd could use yeah. whatever call he wanted and call his sheep out mm. and they would follow him because they were his. Yep. Um, which is just remarkable. If any of you have a dog you've tried to train to get to come to you, like that's amazing um, that this these sheep would n- really know and listen only to the, sh- the voice of the shepherd that they knew. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're specifically trained to hear either that flute or that whistle or that voice that meant, that's my shepherd, I'm going to follow him now. And they're not going to follow the voice mm. of somebody yep, who isn't that's great. their shepherd. That's great. Let's pick back up verse 7, and I'll read a little bit more here, um, because Jesus says some specific things kind of about who he is as a shepherd. So in verse 7, this is Jesus. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus kind of contrasts himself here with these thieves, these robbers that are are coming in. They're maliciously trying to attack the sheep. And he says that, first of all, he says that he's the gate. Uh, Make some identity statements about himself. He's a gate that leads to to salvation here. Uh, If anyone enters through the gate. 
And then he really contrasts himself with the thief that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and says that he's come not to kill, steal, and destroy, but he's come to offer life and to offer life abundantly. This is a big statement by Jesus here saying that he's life, that he comes and offers really the good life to those who enter through him. Yeah, and really talking about the difference between the thieves and the robbers and the poor mm. leadership that we may have seen in the passage just before yeah. this, right? Like they they're these leaders who don't know that they are blind. Mm. And now he's talking about the difference between knowing the right leadership yeah. and following the right voice yep. and how that way leads to abundant life. Yeah. And I think it's really profound here that Jesus is saying that he comes and he offers life, but the way that he comes and offers life is by laying down his mm-hmm. life. And so he's inviting us into life in him. Uh, this is what we've been talking about through the whole John series, the good life in Jesus, the abundant life in Jesus. That's only possible through him and in him. And, it, and then it leads us to this place of rest that Jesus says that they will go in and out and find pasture. Just this, this salvation that's in Christ um, that is eternal, but then also it's the salvation that begins now, that new life in Christ, abundant life in Christ, good life that's only in Jesus, that's not found in anyone or anything else. He says that that, that abundant life is found only in him. Yeah. And then right after that, he goes and makes this other big statement about himself and says, I am the good shepherd. Um, This is another I am statement that Jesus makes. Yeah, just like he was making before with the water and with the light. I am the good shepherd. And Jesus is making it really, really clear that he's equating himself with God, right? They would Mm -hmm. have said, God has been our shepherd. And Jesus is saying, Me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and, and read 11 through 18 for us? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Mm. Gosh, so, there's so much, so much there. there. Like, so much strong wording and strong statements and Jesus talking about his power and yeah. who he really, really is. Mm-hmm. And just notice the I am statement again that Jesus makes. The same way he said, I am the light of the world. Um, another I am statement that would have been linked back to God talking to Moses um, at the burning bush saying, I am who I am. Through that whole narrative, Jesus makes another I am statement here. So right there you have this kind of divinity divinity statement from Jesus that he is divine, that he is God. Um, But then also then think about him being the good shepherd. A Psalm 23 almost reference here um, that Jesus is the good shepherd um, and that he's the one that invites us into the the rest. But then the profound imagery that this shepherd is also the the sheep. This shows up in John 1 verse 29 when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, John here layering again kind of that imagery on top of that imagery that that Jesus is God who's also the good shepherd who also then is the sheep and offers himself as a sacrifice for the sheep. Um, Kind of this just incredible 
dual parallel of Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time. Yeah. Only the the God man could have been the perfect sacrifice that was needed. Fully God in order to kind of accomplish our salvation, but then also fully man. He's the yeah. sacrifice at the same time. Um, just a profound statement of Jesus telling us more about his identity. Gosh, and if you think about that, like in the context they would have been in, like how much do you have to mm. love your sheep yep. to be willing to die for them? Mm. How valuable mm-hmm. are they? How, mm-hmm. like, that's just a really incredible, yeah. incredible picture yep. for this people to have begun to understand. Yeah. And even for us just to wrestle with, maybe with, as a group wrestle with that. Um, and as another up possibility for your group this week would be to just go through and highlight anywhere that Jesus says, I am, or I, something he does figure out all the things that Jesus does as a shepherd is really incredible to see. Mm. So let's talk about that other piece here where he's talking about other sheep that hear his voice. What's going on there? Yeah. And so, you know, Jesus throws in the statement that he's like, I have other sheep as well. And I think it's kind of just laying out this vision and uh, explaining the plan that like, this isn't just for the Jewish people. Um, it's not just for Israel, especially think of their context, them hearing this and their own understanding of Jewish history and kind of their specific salvation given to the Jews that Jesus is now expanding the horizons of like, this is meant to go out to the ends of the earth. I have other sheep that are going to come into this fold as well. Um, and just kind of expanding their understanding of their of that, casting kind of this vision for the expansion of the gospel to the ends of the earth, with, which really mission has been this continual theme throughout mm-hmm. the book of John. Think about sent last week uh, or two weeks ago, I guess, with the healing of the man born blind into the pool of Siloam, which means sent Jesus, the one sent from God, now sends us. He's referencing it here again, um, the sheep and the gospel that will go out to other sheep, to the ends of the earth. Um, And Jesus is really contrasting the sacrifice that he makes here compared to those Jewish leaders again. I just think that's so um, significant where he's talking about the wolf that snatches and scatters them and Jesus versus the hired hands that doesn't love the sheep in the same way, Um, but Jesus being the shepherd who takes on the sacrifice, sacrifices his life for the sheep. There's this real kind of intimacy here in this passage describing Christ's love for the sheep. Yeah. And I think even with that, I have other sheep statement. He's also contrasting the leaders because they're more like who's in versus who's out. Mm. And Jesus is like, it's bigger Mm. than who's in and who's out. I have more sheep that that get to come in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think another good just group discussion question would be just like really think about how would you have heard this if you were one of the Jewish leaders that are hearing this, if you were just someone in his audience and you were in this first century context and you're maybe there's sheep off in the fields that you're looking at at this time as you hear this, you're you, maybe you just heard the Jewish uh, leaders reading from Ezekiel 34 two, which says, woe to the shepherds of Israel. And then Jesus stands up and says, I'm the good shepherd. Like what would have been like to actually be there and hear that context? And then kind of what work do we need to do in order to hear it differently, in order to hear it as they would have heard it, to hear that background and kind of all the pieces that really determine a lot of the meaning of this text? What would that have been like to be really in their context? Let me read verse 19 through 21 here, because this is kind of the wrap up again to this passage. So it says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is... These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So once again, more division, 
about Jesus. Right. And this is the kind of the pattern that John is setting up, right? Mm. John, Jesus does a miracle. Jesus shows up at a party and makes a statement about himself. And then people get upset and they try to figure out what they really think. And all of it leading to there's a decision to be made about do you believe Jesus or not? Yeah. The sheep will follow Mm. the voice of the one who they know is their shepherd. Are you following his voice? Yeah. And notice the reference back in verse 21, back to really uh, chapter nine and Jesus healing the man born blind and the blindness of the Pharisees and their inability to kind of like see Jesus and they're, they're spiritually blind. And and this reference can a demon open demon, open the eyes of the blind. They're, They're really John links here spiritually seeing and understanding Jesus again um, versus those who are spiritually blind and those that hear his words, but who reject him, who do not see um, and really lays out this choice again. Everyone has to pick um, a side, really. Everyone has to make a decision about who they believe Jesus is and respond accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. As you think about application coming out of this passage, Andrea, where does that take you? Just application in your own life and general for our lives. Gosh, I think, you know, there is that question, like, which voice do you hear and listen to? And maybe what do you have to tune out so that you can better hear the voice Mm -hmm. of God Mm -hmm. in your life? Yeah. Um, Those are big ones for me. What are are some of the things? Let me stay with you there. What Uh, are some of the things we got to tune out? Oh, man. You know, maybe it's the voices that sound like shame from your Mm -hmm. childhood. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's too much social media or too much news because those things are going to cloud all of, all of the, all of the good stuff from God because your brain gets so wrapped around them. Um, Maybe it's intentionally just taking a break, getting away, shutting everything down and just having silence so that you can breathe for a bit. Yeah. I love how you said that. Like how, what do we need to tune out in order that we also tune in? Like there's a, there's a way that like we also need to train our ears to hear the shepherd's voice. And that will come from kind of both of that process, tuning certain things out and tuning our ears to hear the shepherd's voice. Um, So good. I I think for me, I go to just that John 10, 10 statement. This is, maybe my favorite verse in the whole book of John. I've been really excited about getting to John 10. Um, just this invitation to abundant life in Jesus, this invitation to pasture, um, so contrasted by the thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy, and Jesus really inviting us into this abundant life in him. Uh, salvation is not something that starts once you die. Salvation is not fire insurance. Salvation is this invitation from Jesus to abundant life that begins now and continues to all of eternity and that we can live in that abundant life in Jesus now. We can live in the kingdom, this life of rest, this life of peace, this life of trust in Jesus um, because he's the good shepherd and he's inviting us into that every single day. And I know so so, uh, deeply how and how quickly I look for life in other places. Mm -hmm. I look for life in other things, in distractions, in escapisms, in money, in success, in entertainment. And I'm trying to find abundant life that is only found in Jesus. And so what does it look like yeah. just to live? What are the practical ways? Yeah, what, is it, what does it look like to live in that every single day? And those are often just minute to minute, day to day choices. But I think each of our hearts are hungry for life. Uh, the Augustine quote that Drew said this last week, that our hearts are restless um, until they are, are found and satisfied in Jesus, in God. Um, they're restless until they're satisfied in him alone. And so like, where are those things that I'm looking for life when ultimately I'm looking for Jesus? And that's the only place that they're found. And so what does it look like to be people of the pasture today, people of the good life today and living and dwelling in that daily? I think uh, that's the invitation that I, that I hear the shepherd inviting me into from this passage today. That's awesome. So good. 
Wow, well, thanks everyone for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is that we're gonna do our very best to make this time valuable for you, the leader. And if this helped you in any way, let us know. So whether you're at the gym, I hope someone out there is mowing their lawn. <laughs> we say that every week. Whether you're driving, whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent this week into your group, your family, your Pray Watch communities, wherever God invites you. Maybe it's to the coffee shop <laughs> to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.